0: Good morning. Well, as a church, uh, just as a reminder, we've been going through uh, the Jesus uh, storybook as a way to uh, call us into uh, something that our parents can be doing, our grandparents can be doing, in reading that book with their children and grandchildren. And so we've been following the course of that book and the the stories that it highlights. And that, that book is so great at tying together the whole story of Scripture and that the Old Testament is pointing to Christ and Christ is the fulfillment of all those things. And so that's uh, why you see titles like this sermon is called things like Daniel and the Scary Sleepover because um, we're drawing that from uh, the Jesus storybook. But also in conjunction with that, uh, our theme of the year as a church has been growing in intimacy with the Lord, growing in closeness with Him. And when I think about uh, closeness with the Lord and someone who uh, has great intimacy with the Lord, uh, I was reminded of uh, the missionary Gladys Aylward. Who here knows who Gladys Aylward is? Okay, I figured there wouldn't be too many hands. Um, our family, we have loved. Uh, the story of the Lord working through Gladys Aylward. Well, anyway, she uh, grew up in church, um, but in her late teens, early 20s, the Lord really changed her heart and gave her a clear vision of taking the gospel to China. Okay, and this was in the early to mid 1900s. And she experienced great adversity in getting to China, uh, rejection by sending agencies. And she had to, when she finally did find someone who wanted her to come and serve with her, uh, she had to travel by herself there. And uh, she actually was going through Siberia on her own, sleeping outside in the snow, huddled up between her two suitcases at one point. Um, Just an amazing story of how she even got there. But... How she got through that sending and going to China, and even in her time in China, it's that she was strongest and she was pointing people to Christ and growing when she was seeking the Lord herself, right? Seeking Him in prayer, giving thanks to Him, relying upon His provision, talking to others about Him and about the gospel seeking encouragement from other believers, growing in love and knowledge of the Lord through his word. When those things were going on in her, that's when great things were happening, right? Same for all of us. And these marks of her intimacy with the Lord also had an impact on other people. She and another missionary created an inn for weary travelers uh, to be fed, housed, and share story- they would share stories from the Bible with them. And the lord had given them a great vision about hey when these people pass through you can tell them about me and then they'll take those stories because the people in china love to tell stories so they would take those stories on the road with them and so they were this inn was established in the town of yangchen and that's where she was uh, mainly focused in her missionary efforts And even though she and this other lady uh, were thought of as, and this is what they literally called them at first, foreign devils. Uh, They were thought of as foreign devils. Their service and care for travelers and the people in the town became well-known, even to the mayor figure of the town who was called the Mandarin. The Mandarin called on her at one point to be the official royal foot inspector. Okay, and you're like, what is that? Well, a law had recently changed that prohibited, so it used to be a common practice that they would bind the feet of women. Okay, it's a terrible practice. And so they, they finally changed the law and they wanted women's feet to be unbound. So he made her the royal foot inspector. And it was because she was a Christian woman and she had no bound feet and could travel through the mountains to check others' feet. And here's what he said to her. The government has given me a problem. I need someone to be a foot inspector. A man would not do because men are not to look at women's feet. I need a female foot inspector. But where, I asked myself, would I find a woman who could travel on foot over rough roads and climb mountains to reach the small villages to make sure every girl's feet have been unbound? Only a woman with unbound feet could do that. And I asked myself, in all of China, who is the woman who speaks the Yangchen dialect and has unbound feet? That woman will be my foot inspector. So he ended up saying, I want you to be the foot inspector. But she said this to him, wherever I went on behalf of your excellency, she continued more boldly now, I would speak of my God and my faith, and I would try to make others believe as I do and he ended up saying to her, said, finally the Mandarin spoke, it is most important that foot binding be stopped immediately. As to your religion, it is not of any importance to me. Speak of what you will. If the women become Christians, they will want their daughters to have unbound feet like you, and that will be a good thing. So just think about her, her closeness with the Lord and how people were observing these things. And then being given amazing opportunities to share about the Lord. She also was called to be, uh, she was called into a prison to break up a murderous riot. Prisoners were actually killing each other with machetes and things. And they went to her to ask her to go break up the riot. And one of her names that she was known by was Small Woman, okay? So the governor smiled in triumph when they realized we're sending you in because she was afraid that they would kill her. And she was like, why am I going in there? And he said, no, they won't kill you. You are always telling everyone that you have the living God in you. So how could they kill you? He reasoned. And she still protested. And he said, you and the living God can go in there together and get the men to stop fighting. Otherwise, none of them will be left alive. And she went in there and she told them to stop and said lots of other things. And amazingly, they stopped. And then she even advocated for new treatment to be given to them as prisoners. So it's not like all these things happened with Gladys in a vacuum. These things were happening to her because she was seeking to be intimate with the Lord, and that was evident to the people around here, even to the point where she received the name Iwayda, which means virtuous one, and one of the prisoners in that prison gave that to her. More about Gladys later, but the impact of intimacy with the Lord cannot be overestimated. It cannot be overestimated. And when we talk about intimacy, I know in some ways that, that term may sound weird because we might usually associate it with other things, right? But intimacy just means closeness, trust in, delight in, love for, getting to know the Lord. And we'll see, we, we see in the passage that was read already, the same thing with Daniel. And so we're gonna take a look at a history of Daniel's intimacy with the Lord, the impact of his intimacy with the Lord, and then we're gonna talk about what is the impact of our intimacy with the Lord on us and the people God has put around us. Let me ask for God's help. Lord, you are so kind uh, to give us your word and to give us a great witness of other believers over history and in our lives. Uh, We praise you for that, Lord. Uh, Spirit, please work through these things this morning to change our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Daniel's history of intimacy and closeness with the Lord. Well, in our passage, we can tell that he's already well-known for that. Uh, So in verse 3, we see, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him that was what they saw and so they elevated him because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom then in verse 5 we see uh, these men so the the people who were wanting to bring a complaint against Daniel I mean out of jealousy out of they wanted the same position he did they hated that he was in that position These men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. What an amazing statement. So in connection with the law of his God, essentially, let's put it a different way. He is so close to the Lord, to his God, we have to make a law that forbids closeness with his God or with a God. So they knew that they could only nail him on his intimacy with his God. So they spied on him because they knew that they would figure that out. What could we nail him on? Then in verses 10 and 11, we see when Daniel knew, this is right after the law was made. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house Where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward jerusalem he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his god as he had done previously then these men came by agreement and found daniel making petition and plea before his god they knew right where to go they knew what to look for they knew it he was so predictable in his closeness with the lord So even though Daniel knew, this is what's amazing too, even though he knew the new law had gone into effect, he still sought the Lord anyways. And he didn't even wait. Remember the law was just for 30 days. I mean, these guys were such clowns, right? They're like, let's just make this law where the guy can't, like nobody can pray for just 30 days because we know we'll get him even just in that window of time. But Daniel didn't even wait for the 30 days to finish. It's not like he was like, okay, well, it looks like, man, this could happen to me. And so if I just stop doing things that are evident that in my relationship with the Lord, especially in prayer, all I have to do is wait for 30 days. Just got to wait for 30 days. Then I'm good. He didn't even wait. He went right away. He heard the law went into effect and went to go pray. Then in verse 13, uh, they, after they found Daniel doing that, they said they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. So there's all this evidence uh, of his closeness with the Lord. His history of it is very clear. And in the book of Daniel, we have other parts where his intimacy with the Lord was very clear. And I want to say that uh, in these times where we feel like our culture, our country, the world, whatever, seems to be going farther and farther away from Jesus, or uh, a biblical understanding of things, or a biblically moral kind of place, um, going away from all that, the book of Daniel is a great book. To show us how do we respond how do we respond because that's exactly what Daniel was doing that's where he lived was in that kind of place he was taken out of his place where all those things were done in safety and brought into a new place where none of that was safe or accepted anymore and some of you may be feeling like we have gone from an era where we were in a place where these things were more accepted and safe and, you know, all that. And I've been brought into a new place that doesn't make any sense that we it's just crazy for me. And that's, so I encourage you, go to the book of Daniel and be encouraged by what happens there. But Daniel in verse 1, or in chapter 1, verse 8. So when there was the pressure to eat a certain way, Remember? Uh, But Daniel, and and so to to eat the the food of the king that supposedly was going to be the best for them. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to not defile himself. So he was, uh, and then it says, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of eunuchs. So he was wanting to stand up for things that he knew were going to be right and good. In relation to the Lord and then in chapter 2 verses 17 through 23 uh, after this is uh, after Nebuchadnezzar has his dream and nobody can interpret the dream and Nebuchadnezzar gets really mad and he's like I'm just gonna kill all the wise men nobody can tell me what this means I'm just gonna kill everybody so then they kind of freak you know everybody's kind of freaked out and Daniel and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they Uh, Here's what it says. Then they went to his house and made the matter known to uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and his companions and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So they sought the Lord in prayer. Lord, would you help us? Lord, would you help us? And then the Lord gave Daniel the interpretation of the dream and what it all meant. And then here's what Daniel does in response. He praises him. Blessed be the name of, the, of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He doesn't say like, oh, this was great. I'm so smart. I got this thing on my own. He gives God glory. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what it is, what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter." just a wonderful piece of praise and honor to the Lord and then in 227 when he goes before the king Daniel gives glory to the Lord he doesn't say hey guess what I know I'm so good he says no wise men enchanters magicians or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and has made known to the king to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. So just that closeness, that intimacy with the Lord that Daniel has, we see that play out throughout the book of Daniel. Okay. So what was the impact of Daniel's intimacy? Well, back to ver- chapter six. Uh, It was clear that he had a trust in the Lord to protect him from the lions by how he spoke when he was getting out, right? Or when he made it through the night. And then, so the impact was on himself. So his intimacy with the Lord impacted how he viewed what was happening to him. The circumstances that were going on around him. Even the most dire of circumstances. It affected him. And then... Uh, because of how Daniel was then others around him even people who didn't believe in his God desired his good like Darius remember Darius when he when he finds out oh gosh Daniel prayed to somebody else and I just made a law gosh you know what do I do and then he's just thinking how do I, I, I I love Daniel I love who he is I love what he does here in our kingdom like there's that sense you get that and he's he's saying what can I do to get Daniel out of this so He desires his good because of the heart that the lord has given daniel and then in verses 25 through 27 this is kind of like what happens we we didn't have this read this morning Um, but after he comes out of the den of lions uh, the king darius here's what he does then king darius wrote to all the peoples nations and languages that dwell on all the earth peace be multiplied to you I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel for he is the living God and during forever his kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end he delivers and rescues he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel's intimacy with the Lord has impacted the people around him, even to where they turn to God and praise the Lord. What an amazing thing. So where were other times that we saw in Daniel's life where things made an impact, his intimacy with the Lord made an impact on others? Well, in 2.47, so this is after the the dreams are revealed, King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. So Nebuchadnezzar praises the Lord because of Daniel's relationship with the lord and then uh the famous story that we know about shadrach meshach and abednego and how they refuse to bow to the king's image that he makes nebuchadnezzar's golden image nebuchadnezzar this is one thing you'll find as you read through daniel nebuchadnezzar just doesn't get the hint a lot and he kind of just keeps turning back to glorifying himself and then you know he has to God needs to give him another reminder through these guys and then he oh yes that's right praise that God not myself Um, so here he is again with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego throws them into the fiery furnace they make it through and here's what he says to them after that blessed be the God of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him And set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. And if you remember their faith before they got thrown in the furnace. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Like essentially, bow, go ahead, when you hear the horns. Remember they played music and they were supposed to bow to the golden image when they played the music. So we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But then listen to this. But if not, because they realize the Lord may not choose to do that with them, but they know he's perfectly capable. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. When I read these things, I'm like, I want to. That kind of conviction in me all the time. I want to feel that secure in the Lord. I want to have that kind of trust in Him. I want to have that kind of closeness on a regular basis in my life because it's not like these events just happened and they weren't close with the Lord all of a sudden and then all of a sudden they were able to do these things at the drop of a hat. It comes from a steady, Seeking after the Lord in life, everyday life. So I know that's what I need to be able to then say things like this and to have things like this happen around me in my closeness and intimacy with the Lord. I need that. So, what can be the impact of our intimacy with the Lord? Well, uh, on ourselves, like we see already from these other examples and from Gladys Aylward, we will grow in steady faith and confidence in the Lord. So when we do those things, like I read at the beginning that we saw in Gladys Aylward, seeking him in prayer, giving thanks to him, relying upon his provision, talking to others about him and the gospel, that's believers and unbelievers, seeking encouragement from other believers, Growing in love and knowledge of the Lord through his word. Uh, I mean, you can add all kinds of other things. Worshiping the Lord with his people, right? Worshiping the Lord in your home, even just singing to the Lord. Um, So all those things, what can be the impact of our intimacy with the Lord on ourselves? We will grow in that steady faith and confidence in the Lord. We will be able to handle the hard times that come our way better because of what we are doing in the in-between times. when there's that steady thing, that daily thing, then when that stuff hits us, like it should should be no surprise to us that if we're not close to the Lord, and maybe we're just relying on just showing up to church on Sundays, right? And that's good, don't stop coming, right? That's good, but if that's all we're thinking as far as like, that displays that I'm a Christian. And then when hard stuff happens, in our home, at our workplace, and then we react in a way that we that we hate over and over and over again. I mean, there should be a sense that we're like, "What's like? I, I'm not doing. I'm not trying to be close to the Lord in in the everyday kind of thing." So it shouldn't surprise me that then I react like this over and over and over again. So that steady in between times of seeking the Lord. So that impact on ourselves and on our family, right? This is, our family is like the first line of people that our intimacy is going to have an impact on, right? That's the first line of people. You know, I I think sometimes we get lost as Christians in, um, even lost may be the, the the wrong word, but we start to emphasize things like, Oh, I need to be an evangelistic witness in my workplace. And yes, we should be. And we we think about all these spheres of who we're going to influence for Christ, and we don't talk about how we're being an influencer for Christ in our own home first, which is that first level. Uh, When I was a a youth director um, at a past church I served in, I asked a, a father to come and share his testimony one time and so he came and shared his testimony about how the Lord had been working and afterwards I found out that his daughter was really upset And I was like "Well, why is she upset she was upset and so she was a teenager and she was like because I've never heard this before I've never like my dad has never said these things to me before And I, I mean, you just think about who are the people you first and foremost want to know those things, how the Lord has been at work in our lives, right? It's those people in our home, our spouses, our children. So our intimacy with the Lord on our own, right away, the first level is how that's impacting our kids and our wives and our husbands. And the other people we may live with, if we're single and we have a roommate or something like that, or the the people that we interact with the most, or our families that we go to visit with and eat meals with and all that, those are the first people. So on our family, it's huge. In our workplaces, just like we see many examples of this, right, Uh, with um, Daniel, trusted, faithful, uh, encouraging, steady, reliable, Um, we may lose our job because of our closeness with the Lord. That may happen, right? We might get ridiculed, made fun of. But if we're going to get nailed, just like Daniel got nailed by the other satraps and wise people because of his faith in the Lord, if we're going to get nailed for something and we get nailed for that, let's get nailed for that. Right? That'd be a good thing. our workplaces and in our neighborhood how how are our neighbors around us uh, how are they viewing our identity what do they see what do they hear come out of our mouths are we even opening our homes to them do they even get a chance to see that's a good first step opening our homes to our neighbors inviting them to do things so that they can actually interact with us and see and we can show them love and thoughtfulness so they can see our intimacy with the Lord and our love for the Lord so that's the impact and we could go on and on about those things that's a picture of the impact of our intimacy with the Lord but most of all our, our intimacy this is if you're if you're if you're wondering like where do I start with some of this our intimacy with the Lord is primarily based in the grace and mercy of God in the gospel that's what it starts with, because that's how we first became a Christian, right? And so it doesn't cease to be significant. It ceases to be the thing that actually keeps drawing us closer and closer, because as we keep seeing our sin and how much we fall short of the Lord, but then we're reminded of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and we remember his grace and his mercy to us, like that should be, just keep drawing us closer and closer and closer to him all the time, over and over and over again. It's a great thing. So, remind yourself of the gospel. The scriptures keep reminding us of it, and there's a reason for that, because we're forgetful people, and we forget the most important things. And so, reminding ourselves of the gospel will increase our intimacy with the Lord. It's a great place to start. So, I think of um, passages like "Be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ." God forgave you. So the same way we were forgiven in the gospel, that allows us to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving to each other. Or I think of, uh, I think it's in Romans where it says, uh, welcome one another just as Christ has welcomed you. So that way of being welcomed by the Lord into his kingdom, into his family through the gospel, that will help us to welcome even just the people in our home, instead of being standoffish or maybe bitter towards people even in our home or annoyed too much or all this kind of stuff. Look, we're, we're, we're not awesome in and of ourselves, right? We're a mess before the Lord. If the Lord has welcomed us, then we can welcome others into our lives. Well, I'll end with this uh, last story about Gladys and the evidence of her intimacy with the Lord. It was her closeness with the Lord that continued to strengthen her for even more trials, and the Lord would use her relationship with Him to work in the hearts of the Christless world that was around her and to turn people to Him through working through her. So the Japanese uh were about to come and attack the village of yangchen and so this is leading up to events of world war ii and things like that so they had just bombed the village and they were preparing the village was being was preparing to evacuate to get to a safer place because the chinese were going to come and invade and take over the village so the mandarin said we're going to have one last kind of meal together here in the village we're going to have one last thing we're going to do together and he called everybody together, but he had a specific thing that he wanted to do. And he wanted to say a lot about Gladys. And so he went on and on about all these different things that she had done. And so here's what he finally said. Finally, the Mandarin of Yangchen seemed to run out of things to say. Very deliberately, he turned to Gladys and looked her directly in the eye. Iwayda, my dear friend, remember a virtuous one. Iwayda, my dear friend Iwayda, he said, I have seen all that you are and all that you do, and I would like to become a Christian like you. He had seen all that she had done and all who she was, and that was so clear to him, her reliance upon the Lord, her intimacy with the Lord, her closeness with the Lord. And so that the Lord used that to draw this mayor, this Mandarin of this village, to himself and many others. I encourage you to read the story of Gladys Aylward. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, may it be that the people around us in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, that they would see all we are and all that we do and that they would love you because of it, that they would be drawn to you because of it. But Lord, we need great help. We need a great work in our hearts and our minds to grow closer to you. So Lord, help us to see small ways uh, to begin to grow closer to you. Help us to throw off distractions, Help us to keep putting great examples of and and seeing great examples around us and putting great examples of your people around us uh, that we would continue to desire to be more and more like you, Jesus, because of how much those people are like you, Jesus. So please do that work in us as your people. We ask this in your name. Amen.